Tonight's reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they, sent their, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them, until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. And they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left their own country, left for their own country by another way. The word of the Lord. We three kings of Orientar, you won't find it on any map. I looked it up. There's no such place as Orientar. It's not even in the Bible story. They don't even mention it. You know what else they don't mention in the Bible story? The three part. There's never any mention of how many wise men there were. I mean, sure, there are the three gifts, the well-known gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But, you know, some of them could have got in on a gift. We don't know. It's hard to tell. You know, for this liturgical year, we have been taking children's Bible stories and rereading them as adults to uh, see how our theology might have gotten so messed up. Or just to re-examine them. But anyway, these children's stories, in these children's stories, children's Bible stories, you know this is a very popular story, the wise men. Um, The three, they all use the three. There's no group of magi or wise men in the children's Bible stories. The three, because I think the three works, you know? And there's already a lot going on in this brief 12-verse story to be throwing in a bunch more wise men, you know? To add more wise men would not be... Prudent. No, but this is a really good children's tale. I mean, look how it begins. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who was born king of the Jews? Yeah. It's intriguing. A lot of intrigue. There's a murder plot. 
There's a chosen one, there's magicians maybe, there's a mystical star, and a pretty straightforward message for the kids, like, great and important men from foreign lands follow God's special birth announcement and come to worship the baby Jesus because he is God's son, come to save the world, but the bad king wants to kill Jesus. To quote one story, Herod doesn't want to worship Jesus. Herod wants to kill Jesus. Herod is a bad king. Simple, straightforward. Good people want to worship Jesus. Bad people want to kill Jesus. Now let's have a snack. As simple as that message is, most of the children's Bible stories focus, what most of the children's Bible stories focus on is the wise men bringing Jesus presents. Which is understandable. The story is usually told around Christmas time and kids have presents on their mind. It's uh, relatable. You know, if you love someone, you give them presents. That's a good message. So several of the Bible lessons, they add a craft on the end where the children actually make and wrap a present to give to their parents after church. I think maybe this kind of equating parents with the incarnation of God is maybe a good example of how these stories could mess with the kids' theology. But come on, what parent wouldn't be touched by having their child run up to them after church and say, I love you like the wise men love the baby Jesus? Wait, I know it's going to be on my next Christmas card. Besides getting presents, that focus... I also found some pretty good readings of the text, which just doesn't always happen. One asked the question, can you imagine seeing the baby Jesus? What do you think it was like for the wise men to hold God's son in their arms? I like that image. I like that image, the image of the vulnerability of God. God incarnate comes as this baby that you can hold in your arms. And another one pointed out that after they had seen Jesus, these wise men, after they had had this encounter with Jesus, they took another road home. They went back another way, like they were changed by their encounter with Jesus. They couldn't go back the same way. I think those are pretty good readings of the text. Now, outside the interpretive world of children's Bible stories, the wise men are the subject of many symbolic interpretations and stories from early Christian traditions. Though often referred to as the three kings, based mostly on a psalm which says all kings will bow down before him, and the Matthew text says the wise men knelt before him, so maybe they're kings, but actually the word um, that usually gets translated as wise men is magi, which is a priestly caste of Zoroastrianism which you might know if you have some familiarity with fantasy role-playing games. The Magi were not kings, but astrologers. Also, Matthew's story does not give them any names, but their legends and the traditions of the Western Church call them Melchior, Casper, and Balthazar. One tradition says that Melchior is a Persian scholar, Caspar is an Indian scholar, and Balthazar is an Arabian scholar. But really, the only indication here, too, also, 
that Matthew gives of where the Magi are from is, he says, they came from the east of Jerusalem. Other stories say that they were from China, India, and Ethiopia. Traditionally, the view, um, the traditionally, uh, one other view says that they were from Babylonia, and there were Persians, or they were Jews from Yemen, because the kings of Yemen in the old days were Jews. There are many legends about the journey when they take the other road home. They're associated, these, uh, these three kings, or the, uh, these three magi, are associated with Iraq, Iran, Istanbul, and Pakistan. And one legend says that the city of Kandahar in Afghanistan was founded by Caspar. That Kandahar is a transliteration of the same name. The three magi seem to be a way that a diversity of people can be placed in that room with the baby Jesus. At least all the people from the east of Jerusalem, that is. I always think of Christianity spreading west from Jerusalem. And it seems that at first it was intended to spread east. Of course, also, like the children's Bible stories, much is made of the gifts. The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. They range from the simple, that these were three valuable items that would be given to honor any king, to assigning different spiritual significances to each gift. Most commonly, gold is seen as a symbol of Jesus' earthly kingship, thus representing that he is fully human. And the frankincense is incense, and when it is burned, it is symbolic of the spiritual representing Jesus as fully divine. And finally, the myrrh, which is an embalming oil, is a symbol of death and points to Jesus' crucifixion. In representations of the adoration of the Magi, Balthazar offers the myrrh and is often depicted with symbols of death adorning his robes. Not only did these wise men come to bear witness to the birth of the incarnation of God, but bring the announcement of his death. They bring the idea of death to the place of Christ's birth. This is not something that I want to notice right away in this scenario. The classic with the wise men there and the cute little baby Jesus, the vulnerable Jesus who comes to us in love. I don't want death to come into this scene so far. I don't want to contemplate the crucifixion, but the Magi they come with embalming oils, with the myrrh to prepare Jesus' body for burial. The Magi become this strange sort of fulcrum, this point on which the balance can shift from the birth of God into the world in pure vulnerability to the vulnerability of God in Jesus' torture and execution. 
When the Magi hold the baby Jesus, they are holding the vulnerability of God in their hands, helpless in birth and helpless in death. We come and we hold the vulnerability of God in our hands, and it changes us, can send us home on a different road.